Welcome to Main Street Banking, a podcast for community bankers brought to you by the Barrett School of Banking and ICBA Securities. My name is Byron Earnhardt, and I'm the Programming Director at Barrett. It is our mission here to serve the community banking industry with information that is informative, relevant, and hopefully we'll have a little fun along the way. So, from Memphis, Tennessee, home of banking, blues, and barbecue, welcome to our little corner of the community banking world. And we hope that we can make your bank, your staff, or maybe just even your day a better one. Yeah, Kyle, I, th- I think you're you're, you're right. I and mean, that's why we do the net promoter score on all of our um, evaluations, because it just covers so much. And it's you're not you're not going too far outside the numbers, what the numbers are telling you when you start talking about loyalty culture, the way you make, you know, how you bring in for us students, how you interact. It it covers all that. Um, And to get one number down to one number like that um, helps the banks, if they're listening, helps the banks (laughs) like that. And uh, um, I, you know, I think there again, the volatility is a little telling at the industry level. It is. And I think it's one of those cautionary type tales where if you look at those trends and you look at just the general level of the number of the volatility of what some of those ranges can be, we need to be paying attention to it. And I think the three pieces, and we'll talk about this last one here, but the three pieces, the management categories and the satisfaction of my employees is one. What do those employees feel like every day they're supported to do their jobs? Net promoter score drives to that loyalty, like we just mentioned. It's one question, but there's a lot at play for that. Um, on the last one that I'll take note of is our employee engagement index. And it's right. three separate questions that fall into that. I am proud to work for this organization. I rarely think about looking for a new job with another organization. And overall, I'm extremely satisfied with this organization as a place to work. So those three questions get rated individually on that zero to 10 scale. And then we can create an engagement index. In uh, 2022, it was 7.6. And here's where I'm going to dive right into the the trending for this reason. In 2019, it was 8.15. It dropped to 7.9 in 2020. We saw it maintain at that level. Same score, 7.9 in 21. And it dropped down again to 7.6 in 22. So 8.15 all the way down to 7.6. That 0.55 drop from 2019 to 2022 tells me something. Because if I think about those three questions, I'm proud, I'm rarely thinking about looking for another job, and overall, I'm extremely satisfied. And it's worded very specifically. Uh, extremely satisfied is put in there because we want the employee to think about, okay, how high can I get to here? And we've dropped at a relative level. And so you think about, it's not a direct correlation, but you think about this same zero to 10 scale on this index, like you would a net promoter score. Well, at an 8.15 in 2019, I was just on the verge of moving into a promoter level. Now I'm at a 7.6. I'm kind of smack dab in the middle of the passive level. Well, in general, my employees are kind of shifting down at their relative level of engagement. And like I noted earlier, you think about like staffing and recruitment challenges, these three questions drive into that a little more. And in previous years, even pre-2019, I think we saw these three sections be a bit more homogenous, where mm. at a relative level, the categories of satisfaction, the net promoter score for loyalty, and the engagement index were all kind of at a relative level, and they moved with each other. 
Now I think we're seeing a little bit of a shift independently of each other. But in general, the trend from 2019 to 2022 is down across the board. And that's the cautionary tale of if we ignore our employee bases and we're not conducting a survey now, maybe we should be. We are conducting a survey now, but what are we actually doing with the data? Hey, we're doing a survey. The relative scores aren't where we want them to be. What are we going to do to improve them? Or they're at a relative higher level. We're fairly satisfied with them. How are we going to maintain them? Because our best employee could become my competitor's next best employee tomorrow. And I think that's where this trending side of it really hits home for me as the cautionary tale. Stand on my soapbox outside the industry for a second. Okay, we cannot ignore this. The numbers and the trends are telling us something. Okay, now what are we going to do about it to improve? It, it's an opportunity. It's a challenge. It can be improved. Okay, what are we going to do? And I think what we see on the implementation side of this is that next step that we need to focus on. What are we actually going to do with them? And if we don't have a strategy for employee engagement currently, what does that need to look like for us as an institution? It may not have to be a full-blown employee engagement survey, but what are we going to do to find out how our employees are thinking, feeling, and want to be treated? The flip side of that, if I have some of it, what are we going to do with it? It, it cannot become a report and sit on a shelf. It cannot become a report and a couple senior management people within the organization have seen the results and now I know what to do with them. Because what you don't see in this industry report um, is the open-ended comments we get on every single survey that's completed. And yes. for, for the management teams, when they're looking at all of their numbers and then say, okay, I want some additional perspective. Well, now reading those open-ended comments verbatim, top to bottom, one sitting, okay, now I have great perspective on, well, I saw this number and now I'm seeing a few examples of maybe why that number is what it is. Um, and in some institutions, it might be a few small things where, hey, we can make a change here, we can have a discussion here, we conduct some employee focus groups as a follow-up and we learn a bit more, okay, we've got some tangible stuff. In other organizations, if I'm starting from scratch, I mean, if in institutions where we conduct this survey for the first time, it's usually fairly eye-opening, good or bad, because we've never asked before. And so now I have some data, now I have some perspective, now I have some feedback, and then the, the pure value comes from repeating it. I mean, we have some institutions where we've been doing this data for years and years, maybe even decades. Well, then that trend tells me, how has my organization shifted over time? And if we made a change here, what did the score do? What did it lead to? If it worked, let's repeat it. If it didn't, how can we improve it and try something different? Um, and that's where the true value of this trend data becomes, which is why we really did focus on the 2019 to 2022 data, because as a financial institution industry, we had a lot going on. And what did that actually do to our employees? How did they feel? Mm -hmm. Here's what we heard. That's where it really truly does drive. Because um, one of the one of the other quotes that's in uh, that we've used before in this information is a quote from Aristotle. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. Mm -hmm. And I think if, if we think about our employees, we want whatever we're doing with them to be habitual because then it's going to lead to the next best thing. And I start with a satisfied employee 
that now becomes a bit more engaged. And now as that engagement grows, they're a bit more loyal. And now as that loyalty grows, they're an advocate. Um, it's one thing where that lens and filter, we look at customers through all the time. And we think about that loyalty ladder that they're growing on. Well, we can do the same thing with an employee. They start with us. We had a fit for them. It felt great. Maybe there's a bit of a honeymoon period, but as soon as that honeymoon period drops, now what am I doing to build satisfaction, build engagement, build loyalty with them as an employee? That's what I have to focus on. And I think at times financial institutions get bogged down in the recruitment side of it because I just need a body in this chair mm -hmm. to do this job. Yeah. And I get that. We need to survive. We need to function. But then once we have a body in that chair, what are we doing to keep them? What are we doing to see, do they like it? Do we do quick follow-up visits, 30, 60, 90 days with that new employee on an annualized level? A lot of institutions that conduct these surveys over time are doing it on an annualized basis so that year over year, I know, well, I was here. What did it do? If I conducted this every five years, well, I'm going to guarantee a community bank goes through a lot of changes in those five years. Well, can I really tell what caused this trend from year one to year five? Well, no. So you have to spot check it at some level to say, okay, how are we doing? Because I can get a feel for it. I'm a manager. I'm in my office. I'm wandering the branch. I visit other branches. I get a feel for how everybody is. But if I'm not there all the time, what kind of face did they put on that day when I visited? Did I get the real employee feel or did I just get, well, Kyle came down from corporate today, so here's what you get. So I think there's a bit of give and take where the, the employee survey data does tell us a deeper story than just the observational coaching and management I might get from visiting. Sure. Kyle, last question, and uh, this is going to be purely anecdotal. Uh, we spent a good bit of our time in the numbers, and I think as bankers, the numbers are telling. But um, I, I'm glad you brought up the open-ended uh, questions because that is the, the data on our stuff. The data tells me a lot, but it's the open-ended questions that kind of fills in the fills in the gaps for me. Um, off the top of your head, what were some of the consistent comments that uh, that that you found, uh, not even statistically relevant, just the ones that you saw that and, and, and seemed to see over and over and over and over again? What, what would yeah. you see? That is a great question. I would say one of the top ones was probably in relation to empowerment support. Mm -hmm. um, and that I, I probably lump in 2019 to 2022 in that. But as I think sure. about some of the more recent stuff, empowerment support, because if you think about, I walk in every day and I need to do my job, but my computer is 15 years old and slower than heck. And when I have a customer in front of me, it feels like I'm making excuses for why I'm, I am the way I am or as slow as I am. That can do wonders on how do you feel empowered and supported. Or I have a micromanager boss that just hounds me on every little thing and the reverse. Now I don't feel empowered at all because I'm just being done, I'm doing to the dictate. Um, that was one. Recognition and motivation has been a big one as of late, because I think what used to be, well, money can solve all problems from recognition and motivation, it just can't. Because every employee is a little different and some like time off, some like peer recognition, some do like monetary uh, recognition when you think about that. Um, I think that would be one. And then the last one, this probably comes up every year and I always kind of laugh at it because it, it there is a bit of a 
uh, hypocrisy that exists in this. We hear from staff that we want more training and development. And now a financial institution conducts some additional training. Those employees walk in to attend and all they hear is, well, I really don't want to be here for this training. Why am I doing this additional training? Well, because you probably asked for it at some point, or we, we heard that maybe you might want to learn more. And so it's an interesting, how can we make that training engaging moment rather than just, well, they're not happy when they show up for training, let's not do it. But those three as a category, I think we probably heard from the most. Um, and then as of late, we probably heard through the pandemic, if there were changes in policies and procedures that just became a roadblock because okay. the employees are the ones living it, right? I mean, they're the right. ones doing the work each and every day. If, if they have some policy procedure step somewhere that whenever they get to it, they feel like, now I just can't serve my customer best, or this is where this interaction went from five minutes to 30 minutes. Those types of things, this feedback loop, this feedback channel is an employee survey, gives them an opportunity to say, here's what I'm finding, can we do something about it? And that may not mean that they don't have a good relationship with their manager and they could tell them or with an HR department or someone else where they could, they could voice their feedback whenever they wanted to. But we did give them a conduit for it. The employee survey is the excuse on, hey, we want to hear from you. We asked you these questions. Tell us as much as you can. Because um, that even drives down to the logistics of this where we can get response rates pretty high. Um, in last year's, the 2022, they were right around 94% response rate. Our low was right under 90. Um, so as you think about how some of that falls, we can get to really good response rates. Well, if we as an institution are taking the time to ask the questions and now we're empowering the employees to take the time to answer them, get away from your, your work environment for a second, find a quiet place for 20, 30 minutes to answer the questions, okay, we're gonna get really good feedback. And I think we have institutions that get to 100% response rate um, at you know any relative level of number of employees. Mm -hmm. And so if I can get to hearing from 90 plus percent of my employees, which in some cases the non-respondents might be a seasonal part-time teller or something sure. like that where we just didn't get their feedback into the loop. Um, I'm hearing from a majority of my employees and now I'm getting a sense of how generally is my organization feeling? And that's. I, I think, uh, man, if your low is just scaring 90%, Kyle, that's really good. <laughs> my, I, I would not have even, I, I would have lost money had I bet on what, what your low was <laughs> there. Well, good money. Online instruments has helped. I, I think there's yeah. part of that. We used to get up, I mean, when Cross started in 1993, a lot of this was on a piece of paper mm. and we're, checking boxes on a scale and we're handwriting comments. When we converted to online, say 10 or so years ago, we were in a modified environment. We would do some online, some paper. We are exclusively online now. And I think that's where some of the convenience has helped with that response rate. Mm -hmm. um, I would also, in regard to the open-ended comments, we get longer open-ended comments now because oh, yeah. it's easier for somebody to type <laughs> away at a keyboard than it would be yes. to transcribe it all with pen or paper. Um, <laughs> And those angry, so, those, sometimes those angry thumbs, just you could tell, are, you know, the just behavior going. they may have outside of work does carry over inside work from time to time where they may be quick to answer uh, or lengthy to their answer. But every time I get one and we have this from time to time, we'll we produce the comments report and I'll have half a page or three quarters a page of one comment. I mean, it is 
paragraphs upon paragraphs. They still took the time to tell me that. An employee sat down, typed it all in. There is an inherent value in just that, that they told me that much. Now, whether they have an ax to grind or some personal vendetta, each institution has to figure that out on their own, but they still took the time to tell you or took the time to tell you that much. Well, then we, we owe it to our employee bases then to do something with that data and figure out how can we improve? How can we maintain our higher levels? Because there is always room for improvement, even mm-hmm. at that 60% NPS. Yeah. That institution could still make that higher because now I drop my detractors, I grow my promoters. Um, there's always that bit of room for improvement. And I think kind of a, a overhanging statement for me on a takeaway is if these these trends should be concerning. They are dropping. Well, then as a relative level of industry, what do we need to be doing with our employees to improve this? And baby steps are okay. It, yeah. it may be I look at loyalty and just focus on that, or I look at some satisfaction in management levels. Okay, how do I improve that? Maybe it's engagement. I mean, it, it's a very subjective question, but I am proud to work for this organization. And I have... Um, some executives at institutions we conduct the surveys for where they just like looking at that question. And Mm -hmm. why? Well, being proud is very subjective. And if I can get a relative level on that score that I feel good about, I know that every employee that walks in every day is proud to be there. Well, now that employee, what can they do every day that then leaks, leaks over into all the other crevices of the organization and different departments, different employees, it feels different. And so because that's one thing too. Every institution is going to see slightly different results. They're in a unique situation and a unique geography, unique level of employees, lines of business, whatever it happens to be, markets they serve. Um, but I think in general that the the trend should be concerning to us as an industry. And now what do we do to not ignore our employee bases, but make them feel highly satisfied, highly engaged, which will lead to highly loyal advocates. And now we can be a rocket ship and take off. Well, and I think, and uh, yeah, I know this next statement is going to be self-serving, but I've sat in these, I've sat in through the trainings and I've been told, you know, I've, I've had the, you know, you got to go take the BSA and the AML training and, you know, you write down the answers and I hate to tell the HR people that there's a crypt sheet going around in, in all the branches <laughs> that have all the answers because, you know, everybody knows you can't take a bribe over 50 bucks or the feds come in and, you know, all that sort of thing. <laughs> I'm not belittling that, but we've all sat through that training. There is a whole lot of different. And I look, I get that management's got to get that done. You get into September, October, November, 50 percent. If you're lucky, haven't done it uh, or have done it, maybe. Uh, and then you start saying, we know it, no annual bonus. Well, no, I'm not engaged with that training. Or I've had to go to home office because, and I'm there. There are bankers in my age that, uh, you know, when Trid came out, and I know everyone just had PTSD right there. When Trid came out, we had to go sit at that training. Well, who on God's green earth is going to be fired up about new HUD forms? Woo, you know. And I know it's not HUD, but the GFE estimate. Woo, yeah, that was fun. What I'm seeing though, from this, from from my perspective at Barrett, is when that training becomes married to the idea of onboarding, 
when it becomes empowering you to do your job, when it becomes just part of your career path. We just got some cool stuff that, and there's other institutions that do it. Barrett does as well. Um, that there's other just some cool stuff that you got some questions around uh, crypto, emotional intelligence, all that kind of stuff. You start talking about it, it's an attitude, it's a presentation. Mm-hmm. There's a whole lot of difference. I am going to be engaged with my training a whole lot better if I'm not told, well, you don't get your bonus if you don't go do your AML and remember it's 50 bucks that you can take or you get fired and feds come kill you. Yeah. Yeah. And organizations investing back in their employee bases mm-hmm. tells that employee something. And we've all felt that. We've all had the, the two polar opposites of that. We've had a manager somewhere that really, truly cared about us and they invested mm-hmm. in us and they had supported us. And think about the relative level of engagement that came out of that. And then look at the polar opposite. What manager did we have that didn't necessarily care about us? Maybe there was a performance number and when we weren't close to it, they, they cared about us because they wanted to hit the number. But outside of that, it was kind of, okay, how supported am I? Well, how can we avoid that and then find that engaged manager example where we can then duplicate across the organization? And uh, one thing that isn't in this industry report, when we conduct these for each institution, we can look at them by demographic, whether it's mm-hmm. age, tenure, location, department, all different levels. Well, For a specific institution, now they get a feel for, do I have a strength somewhere in an apartment or a location that I didn't necessarily think I had? Now, how do I take that and duplicate it elsewhere? It's working for them in this microcosm. How can I use that elsewhere? The reverse can be true. It starts to shine some light on where I I may have some challenges that I may need to focus on. And it's just undersatisfied employee bases at certain locations or different things like that. Well, those levels of data can tell us something if we're asking. If we're not asking, I just have a gut feel on, well, the main bank feels different than this bank over here, than this branch over here, than this branch over here. Well, it may be right. It may be wrong. It's still just a gut feel. Well, how do I get to a level that I have an objective number and a statistic that I can use to go to a management group and say, here's what our employees taught us. Now, what are we going to do about it? They told us something. Let's do something with it. Well, and a little tweak, like what they educate, like the example there, it's how you say it, how you present it, how you link it to things in that, those numbers or in, in, to those statistics that are coming out. Huge difference. Huge yep. difference there. And you're going to see results in that because – The last thing we want is this employee survey to become something from management as an organization to the employees, like every other weird customer survey you've gotten. Well, you know, we'd really like to get a nine and a 10 and my manager really doesn't want it if it's less than that. Well, no, we're not directing these employees into a response. We truly just want to know, how do you feel? Now let's do something about it. Let's ask them again and see if the number went up. That's the true value in that. Well, and if you do, if management just takes it and puts it on the desk behind all the other ones that they've done, what does that say? I mean, you're just compounding the problem. You don't Mm -hmm. care. I'll give you the answer. I mean, I'll fill it out. You want 100%? Cool. Yeah. Boom, boom, go. But if you're not doing it, do I, are you engaged with your employees when you just flush it down the toilet or sit it on, put it aside like nothing's there? And, you know, it's a cautionary tale. Institution conducts a survey, does nothing with it, conducts another survey. I, I can almost guarantee those numbers will go down yeah. because the employees gave you something. We told you stuff. We just didn't feel like you did anything with it. Well, 
then that's the moment in time we need to actually do something with the data, figure out what needs to improve, needs to change. Then when we repeat the survey, it actually tells me something, not just, well, I'm taking a, a, a baseline of where we're at from year to year, but we're really not doing anything to change it, improve it, make it better for the employees. Gotcha. Gotcha. Kyle, we could probably do this all day and I'm probably going to, I'm sitting here thinking and that we're probably going to cut this and have to do a part one and part two. So this is probably on the back end of a part two, um, which I'm fine with because the conversation has been excellent. Um, Kyle, tell us a little bit before, tell us uh, our listeners though, how they can get in touch with you uh, and maybe some other stuff that's coming up with Cross Financial. No, I appreciate that. Um, Crossfinancial.com, best place to get a hold of us. Um, Emails Kyle at crossfinancial.com. Um, you can find us on Twitter at crossfin, and you can find us as an institution and myself on LinkedIn. Um, I, I think one of the, the best things that we have seen as a shift in some of the entries, you think about employee engagement, is using some of those other channels and empowering our employees to use some of those other channels. I'm, uh, I'm of a younger generation that enjoys some of that social media and virtual networking. Well, guess what? then I can really get jazzed up when I'm in some of that. Uh, probably my next level of cautionary tale for an employee. If you've got one inside your organization, find out what they like and how can we leverage them in the institution. You'll see their satisfaction, engagement, loyalty go up because it has nowhere else to go but that because they're doing something different than they were before. And look, if you're from a generation, you know, that you don't understand, you know, the snap faces and the my books and all that, that these kids today deal with. And I say that only half facetiously because I'm a little bit, I don't understand some of this. <laughs> God forbid you give it to an employee that you know and trust and say, hey, go do this. Right. Think about what that feels to them. That feels oh, entirely man. different. Yep. Oh, man. And the quality of work, because they actually understand what the heck is going on. There. That's a different podcast. Yeah, I'm sorry. Kyle. We, <laughs> we are we are opening up all, all new kind of things. Well, Kyle, I appreciate it, buddy. Um, I, I appreciate your time today. Uh, if y'all do have any questions, want to learn more about uh, the survey or, from Cross, or anything from Cross Financial, do hit up their website and follow them. It's always a good follow uh, to learn and keep up with what's going on. So, Kyle, appreciate your time today, buddy. Thank you. Thanks, Byron. Well, that wraps up our episode for today. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss out on the latest episode. We'd also appreciate a five-star rating as well, as that will help get the content out to more listeners. We appreciate ICBA Securities for their sponsorship, and if you would like to know more about quality investment products, services, and education at competitive prices, check out their website at icbasecurities.com. And finally, if you don't follow Barrett on our social media platforms, be sure to check us out on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook to stay up to date with all the cool new things that we've got coming up. And as always, from Memphis, Tennessee, the home of banking, blues, and barbecue, thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you have a great day.